Go. Hey, you're listening to the Rush the Bus podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Julie. We're both paramedics. We're partners and we work in Brooklyn. And we love hearing other EMS folks tell their stories and what it's like to work in their system. Thanks so, for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. Central Rush the Bus, behind the 744 Case Avenue, I have 750 Case Avenue. All right. Oh, how fast. She's back again. I so, Sebastian, thank you for staying up late for us today. I no problem. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Anytime. Appreciate it's it. Mid- is it midnight? No, it's 11 p.m. there, yes? Yeah. It's 11 p.m., yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up, and uh, how did you get into this? Well, I grew up here in this area. It's like where the Danube has its spring. Okay. And I was born in Freiburg in Breisgau. That's like the biggest city here in this area. It's like 60 kilometers away from here. And um, I just went into ambulance service in the year 2000. Um, After I did my high school diploma and then I went to like civil service. We do that in Germany. Um, it, It doesn't exist anymore because we don't have like you don't have to go to the military or decide to do civil service. It's all voluntary now. You can do whatever you like. Okay. Um, so um, then I um, decided then that I would go to the ambulance service since uh, I told you um, at the age of four, I was so fascinated by ambulances and the dudes who drive those uh, mm-hmm. trucks um, that I always thought maybe that this could be a real job for me, maybe. Yeah. Um, after I get my high school diploma, I plan to go to med school and study medicine, but it, t- it took me too long and it wasn't that interesting. And the time you spend on university till you are finished and then you have to qualify like to be an anesthesiologist or an, an, sur- an surgeon or obstetric uh, doctor, it, it took me, it wasn't interesting for me then anymore. So I decided hmm, what maybe... I should do my paramedic degree. And so I go, went to a school. So back then, when you were MT, you can just upgrade your MT um, to paramedic. Um, you had to go to a paramedic school for like a year on okay. top. And then you got your paramedic license. Um, so I did that because it was quite a fast way to qualify and have a, a profession then. Yeah. Okay. And where did you, so how long was the class? How much did it cost? Was it expensive to go? No, it was 3,000 euros. Okay. I mean, that's not nothing though. No. It's, you know. but- well, I, I worked steadily in this time. So I had an income yeah. um, and could pay by myself. So it was yeah. not the problem. So I, I, I just had a, like, um, a contract who allowed me to go to paramedic school and work beside that as an EMT at the same oh, yeah. company. So it was quite easy for me. Okay. And what Without were you any... allowed to do back then compared to now? Um, you remember. In Germany, we like rules and in Germany, we like laws. Okay. So we had um, certain laws who, allow us, who allowed us uh, to give certain medications to do certain invasive procedures like endotracheal intubation <clears throat> with a patient with a GCS, GCS3, it was okay. no problem. Or while a cardiac arrest, um, we, ha- we could do at atropine at that time, adrenaline, 
and we immuterone that we could give, then okay. of course glucose for the yeah. um, diabetic patients and some sedatives for the neurologic patients who were fitting. Mm. But only in the circumstance if no doctor was available in a reasonable time. So we, are, we were quite limited with our procedures back then. So you could only do it if a doctor wasn't available. What does yeah. that exactly mean? Um, we have to call like the um, uh, fast response car. It was okay. then that, is, that, that was staffed with a paramedic and the uh, emergency physician. <clears throat> and for most of the calls, they were already en route with us. So mm -hmm. like un the unconscious cardiac arrest, um, seizures, entrapment, uh, or any stuff like this. The doctor was alarmed already and was en route with us. And for all the emergencies who turned out to be life-threatening, life we had to call the doctor to come and help us with any um, invasive procedure. And so back in the time, we um, just made IVs, give saline, and in real extreme cases, we could intubate and give all those medications that are indicated for those cases. And were you folks then calling, you have a, I'm, I don't know if I'm saying it right, the notos, like, is that how the, yeah. the doctor is? Um, I mean, was it the doctor that you normally worked with? Is this the person who you saw regularly that you had to call um, or the person who should have been on scene with you that you had to call? Yeah, um, we saw them regularly because um, in our area, um, the Notarztdienst or the emergency physician um, service is staffed by anesthesiologists from the hospital where wow. we're working. So we knew the guys quite well and we worked pretty good together. So if we did something extraordinary or something was out of the protocols we had, that would not be a big deal. But in other areas in Germany, you could be sued for doing good oh, things, wow. actually. Yeah. Because the doctors have their, I don't know how to say it in English, but like their special point of view. Yeah. How not, yeah. not uh, uh, studied persons do emergency medical procedures that are, are, are just uh, for doctors. Okay. Yeah, because we work under a doc, like when we're at work we operate under our medical director's license. So if we do any, like we can get, you, know, you can get like restrictor, they could, you know, pull your license if you operate outside of your scope of practice, they call it. So that's right now yeah. it's, it's like the same. So okay. uh, our medical director, we have to go to certifications every year. Okay. Um, which our qualification will be supervised like, um, is there anything that is new is like new medications or stuff and we have to qualify again or recertificate our qualification yeah. and after that we are allowed to do all the things that are within our scope of practice okay. and he will sign that we can do it and if we don't do like the scope of practice is mean to so maybe we can lose a job too mm -hmm. i feel like it we have happen. similar yeah i yeah. mean Ours in, in our country, or two, it's three years. No, three like years, three years. Every three yeah. years, we have to kind of have a certain amount of uh, medical education, and then you get to recertify pretty much. 
you have to take your exam and you know yeah. if you don't then you could lose your job because you didn't yeah because we have a it, protocol test the city has a protocol test and we take that every three years and then we go to we go for like a two-week refresher at our academy and we go over everything and it's you know it's pretty nerve-wracking you know i so, guess so yeah yeah nobody likes going there so it's two <laughs> weeks <laughs> it's two weeks of five days a week and everybody hates going so nobody's a fan of that so, so well, when you where did you come at where did you start at so back in, in 2000 where did you start at well at the german red cross it's the biggest or- organization who does emergency medical medical service in germany um it's in, in the south of germany it's almost traditional that we don't have much other organizations who do ems okay so um most of us started off at the german red cross um i started off in a neighboring county here um but now i'm just made my way to the next county where i made my paramedic degree okay then i went to uh like the next neighboring country and it's all of us went through this because at the time there weren't that much free positions for paramedics. So we had to uh, change our um, position and our um, like uh, organization mm-hmm. to just to get a job. Many mm-hmm. of the paramedics worked actually as an EMT just to stay there where they are. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. they, they are fully certified paramedics, but they only had offers for an EMT placement. Mm-hmm. So we work as an EMT. Wow. That's loving your job. <laughs> I guess. For sure, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. loving your and job. And I, I, I never I never agreed to do that. So I had to move on and go to neighboring yeah. counties. Yeah. Um, just to be a paramedic, actually. Mm. Have they put on more trucks than when you were when you first started? Yes. Have they added units? Defin- definitely, definitely many units, many units. At like 20 years ago, if I compare the night shifts to now. Um, 20 years ago, we maybe had two to three calls a night, wow. which were quite severe, not, okay. not, not the bullshit calls we do yeah. now. Um, they were quite severe. And if we knew when we are on night shift and our pager went off, um, we knew there's a serious call and we had to, like a real emergency. But now um, it's like seven to 10 calls a night with approximately... 70% of non-emergency calls, like mm-hmm. um, social welfare calls, yeah. psychiatric calls, yeah. and stuff like that. Not talking about psychiatric calls, not being emergencies, but not in the way we used to deal with yeah. emergencies yeah. like uh, traumas yeah. or medical calls or stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Huh? No. That's, interesting. That's interesting. I mean, why is it just the population has grown or is it have hospitals closed? I mean... Is there some many hospitals were closed? That's that's one thing. You're right, absolutely right. Many of those little local hospitals were just closed because they're too expensive to just to give some basic medical treatments, so they just closed it and um, opened up a big, big hospital in our area, which um, is a level one trauma, um, can do strokes, cardiac arrests um oncologic oncologic things and stuff so we have to transport them all the patients there and all the neighboring countries have to 
so the nurses' room was quite big and mostly overflooded. Okay. And uh -huh. you guys come out of like one, so where you are, you come out of like a base, right? Like, yeah. And yeah. do you guys have like satellite stations in like different towns? <clears throat> so yeah. how many, so like within your specific division, like how many units would you say operate? Um, we have one unit in Schwenningen. That's the main uh, station. Okay. And then we have one unit in Bad Doheim. It's the neighboring town. Okay. Um, like only at daytime from 6.30 to 6.30 in the evening. And this ambulance is stuffed. And after that, um, another organization takes over, but only from Monday to Friday. Huh. They only do night shifts there. Um, so... Um, we just have the day shift in this neighboring town okay. and in Schwenningen we have uh, like one ALS truck and four BLS trucks and in Bad Doheim we have one ALS truck. Oh wow. And how long are your transports to the hospital? So well in Schwenningen it takes up to like 10 minutes, okay. 10 okay. to 15 minutes, the longest transport way and from Bad Doheim, we have a quite a big area to cover okay so it can take up to half an hour wow okay. and how long does it take you to like get out to like the fringes of your district well we we have a law that <clears throat> we have to attend all the emergencies that are positioned at like an official road within 10 to 15 minutes 10 maximum and 15 is the absolute limit oh wow so um but we don't catch those times anymore because there are so many emergencies and yeah. we have to uh, go to neighboring counties uh, counties to help out okay. so maybe yeah or, or patches about the longest ride to the to a one outpost is like 20 minutes okay in but you can do like case. mutual aid yeah. so you guys do a lot of mutual yeah. aid to like other areas yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. definitely mm. is it where you are is it like um a suburb is it a city i mean how well um compared to new york city <laughs> it's more like a village i okay. guess uh, okay. it's about um the main city is about um 80 to ninety thousand people okay and the surrounding areas are like widespread countryside uh, areas that are not that populated, mm -hmm. but we have to cover them anyway. So yeah, yeah. Hmm. And but I mainly 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 work in the city. Okay, and what kind of demographics is the city? Because I mean, I remember you said you know you guys got some good assaults the other day. Like, you know what? Yeah. What kind of people live there? You know, so like, well, I, I picture um, Germans as like really nice, beer loving people, and yeah, we are beer loving and nice, but <laughs> there is always the other side of the metal. So, um, well, um, it's quite funny to see it's a it, like feeling in Schwenningen is a double town. So in former times they were separate, and okay. like end of the seventies they were put together to a like one town yeah. and filling it is like the romantic black forest city with old houses and like really really decent buildings and like the high society i would call it okay and schwenning is more of an industrial city 
um, with many workers, many workers' families, um, many refugees at the moment, uh, many foreign population. And um, this mixture, as you know it, makes things sometimes a bit explosive. <clears throat> so we uh, deal with many different types of people. Yeah. Okay. I guess like any city, really, or larger town, you know. Yeah. But as I said, like for you, it's like small village, I guess. Yeah. yeah Eighty thousand is a pretty big. That's I know a lot that's of like that's like Detroit, so, really. Yeah, like, Detroit. No, Detroit is Detroit's like a hundred. I don't or something. think so. It's like around eighty. Yeah. Yeah, maybe eighty thousand. That was more than that. It was 126,000. It was 126 miles. There's more than that living there. I don't think so, Peter. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that many people left, Jewel. <laughs> I think you're. I'm going to look it up now. Okay. Uh, um, what other language? So, do you guys have like a. So, you said you have refugees. So, do you have like a lot of language issues and stuff like that? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, we try to communicate with. All we have, most of our guys uh, don't speak English fluently. Okay. So um, with hands and feet and like we have yeah. like our, our documentation um, laptop or how you call it, uh, iPad or something. Yeah. And then we have a translator on it, but it, it's that's not working quite well. So yeah. um, we don't use it at like for the normal emergency we try to communicate in every way possible. And there's some, somebody who can speak German quite well. So we take him to translate. Yeah. Um, so in the most of the cases in the hospital, there are folks that are speaking many languages that can yeah. uh, translate them. Yeah. We do that too. We have like a lot of the messenger, like the delivery guys on the bikes, they all speak like Bengali or whatever. So like we had a guy who got hit, and he was like super out of it. So like we flagged down another Uber. Oh, bike he got hit like, by a, a car. Yeah. <clears throat> he was on his bike. Yeah. And we like uh, flagged somebody down. We're like, hey, do you speak Bengali? He's like, yeah, actually I do. So we do that all the time. So that's quite lucky. Yeah. 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 I smile at people. They think I don't speak. They think I speak Spanish and I just smile at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, your last name Spanish. is. Yeah. My last name is like Rivera. And they're like, you should speak Spanish. I work like we work in like a super Puerto Rican neighborhood. And I just smile at people. So, I have no idea what they're saying. I just, yeah. And, I mean, I speak Spanish. a little bit, but not <laughs> that much. To, more to me. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's handy to have a second language here Definitely. in New York, especially and like anywhere, really. But, you know, German is one of those that I always wish I had. Like my, um, mm. my grandparents, like my grandmother was the first born here. So by the time she was born, her older siblings already were learning English in school. And this is back in the day where everybody wanted to kind of assimilate into the American culture. So she even changed her name from like Juliana to just Julie. And, um, you know, so German kind of gotten like my dad spoke some German. He lived there for a little while, but like, I don't mm. have, I know how to say like three things or something. <laughs> That's it. Mm. But, you know, we lose well, it here. German. German is quite a difficult language for people who are not not used to hear it or not used to live in this area of the world. So I completely understand if people just say, oh, leave me alone with this language. Uh -huh. I completely understand. 
So oh. I learn, I'm learning Norwegian at the moment oh, wow. since, since three years because I have relatives in Nor 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 Norway. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a quite similar language but still difficult to learn yeah. because uh, in, 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 at my age we all learn a bit slower yeah yep. well I think english I, is quite good i'll tell I you i know that, so. and if i if i had to go there i could get someone to speak to me in english i can say like uh english or um english you know and then hopefully they would say yes and then we could continue. <laughs> like, well, so. I guess most of the people now can speak English here. Most yeah, of that's English. good, you know, mm. for me. <laughs> but I, and you, yeah, you speak English very well. Um, oh. I have a friend who grew up in Germany, and I feel like her English is amazing. So I don't know. Here is we don't really, I don't know. We don't, you know, we don't start at a young age in in the United States. It's unless you come from a family who has a second language, you know. But. Mm. But that's, so I what mean, are the that's, kind of yeah like what's what's your typical day look like when you're out there? What, what you, are you a day guy? Like, you a night guy? You know, well, your... um, we we change shifts regularly. Like we have three day shifts. Okay. Then we have two days off. Then we have three night shifts. Oh man! And then we change cars. Like um, as an advanced paramedic and station manager, um, uh, I just mostly ride the doctor's car the okay. physician's response unit because then I have more time to do some administrative stuff because okay. um, we don't have that much calls on this car. Okay. Um, and I can go around to the stations with the car and just look ev to every, take a look at every station if there is something to fix or if there are some personal issues between members or stuff to sort it yeah. out and the doctors will follow me then and yeah, it's like we start in six thirty in the morning. Okay. Uh, on a regular basis, we have to check our equipment. Yeah. As you do, um, like it's the daily grind. Like uh, yeah. the first hour, we check our equipment, then we do some daily works like um, cleaning, dis disinfecting the car, uh, cleaning it from the outside. Um, then we do some like order additional stuff that went out, like oxygen or stuff and okay. then we go over our clothing we have to uh, to clean it we have to take it to the laundry um, we have some professional laundries there who clean our clothing and we have That's to prepare nice. it for for um, just when they come and collect it and they, they deliver it to us back and so we have to like sort it to the to the lockers for our colleagues. Sad about this. Oh, wow. The Dutch That's guys had that nice. too. Yeah. Yeah, the Dutch guys have that too. We don't have any of that. No. <clears throat> well, we, we, we have to because it's like, it's like a law <laughs> that yeah. we don't, we aren't allowed to clean our uh, uh, clothing anymore by ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Huh. That's so we I mean, always that... have some fresh gear in the locker. Hopefully. Right now we're just changing um, to rental clothing. Okay, it's a big thing here. So we get our uniforms from a company who will clean them, repair them, and um, if you like, go slimmer or just take up some weight, you just mm -hmm. call them and say you're. Um, I need another size, and so yeah. they will provide it for you the next time wow. they deliver. 
Do you yeah. like those uniforms? Like, what is, what do you think? Well, um, as I started, we pretty much looked like um, nurses in the hospital. Okay. Like, we had white trousers, some very thin cotton trousers. Yeah, we were so quite handy right in the summertime. <laughs> Perfect in the summertime, but yeah. uh, really cold in the wintertime. Okay. And some, uh, like, gowns, um, white and red jackets yeah that was our normal stuff and okay then from then it went like like a rocket to those hyper reflective uh, neon stuff clothing mm. yeah yeah I like that's the one that, thing is but... like, yeah i she likes it so i don't know so i mean it'd be nice because like, you don't look like the cops you know because like people mistake us that's for the police point, a yeah. lot you know that's a big point so, here yeah so you um, get more confidence from the people if you don't look like a like a police officer yeah um and it's like a law that we have to wear those reflective to those high re- high reflective clothing i don't know why because the yeah. firefighters don't even wear that they have their reflective striping yeah but they are not uh, obligated to wear those neon type of thing. Mm. So mm. we are the only ones besides those sanitary people who yeah. wear those hyper-reflective things. Mm. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have to wear like a vest. Like if we go on, um, it's uh, yeah, like a US highway, like a DOT highway. We're supposed to wear the high the high vis vests and stuff like that so well because you know. people have gotten hit i guess in yeah. the past i mean our uniforms are like this dark navy blue you know and so at night on a highway it's not the most visible thing mm-hmm. to wear um and i feel like i've seen like what the dutch uniforms look like which are super bright and hyper reflective and i love them <laughs> I, I just like the those. pastel i know i like the pants they're so, so amazing like looking i don't know everything mm-hmm. about them looks enjoyable yeah but like uh, if we want something well, good no, go they're quite practical because um they're mm-hmm. like um sawn like outdoor equipment so yeah. i'm quite fine with them so it's okay they're practical they're breathable they're waterproof so everything is is fine yeah. But the color it's like a thing of taste i guess yeah, yeah. everybody would complain because like we have one service they wear white pants and then another one they wear brown pants and then there's like green pants people so yeah, we're, we're picky about our colors so yeah. mm. so sebastian i mean do you how do you feel like to me the changing of shift like going from day tonight seems very challenging like I think that would be harder to work your life around than like for us we're night shift Peter and I and I mean it has like some of its limits but I like the night shift but I feel like if I had to do the night shift for this couple of days and then switch to day shift I don't know how I would function I mean do you find that difficult or sometimes it is it depends on how how the the before going shifts are like mm-hmm. if they are quite busy it's sometimes it comes it, it's hard to to change from like night to day um but we aren't allowed to sleep at night so we have to do some work and most of the but most of our guys just lay down on the sofa and just have a nap 
Yeah. Um, so we try to not cut, let the shift schedule come too, too hard on us. So we have like, if we go out of night shift, we have like minimum of three days off. So we can like acclimate to normal yeah, schedule yeah. living. Yeah. And then we go into the day shift again. Yeah. So we have a five day week, as we call it here. And a maximum of like 45 working hours. Oh, wow. So do, do you guys your do days... overtime too or no? Yeah. Okay. We do overtime shifts all the time because our staffing is poor at the moment. Okay. Do you have mandated staffing shifts? Like where they mandate you to stay or you can only work so many hours in a day? Well, um, I can only work 12 hours a day at the max. Then I have to take 11 hours um, of downtime before I can go to the next shift. Huh. Hmm. That's nice. I know. That's very nice. That's very nice. As I started, we had like 48 hours straight. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's places down south that do like 4896s and stuff as their shift. And like, I, I don't I don't know how anybody could do that. I think if you, know? you maybe are in a slow place, yeah. maybe it would be a little bit more... Hmm. Because in, in Chicago, they do 24-hour shifts, and they're very busy. So I, I don't know how people function like that. I We do 12s, and then sometimes you can get stuck being mandated for another four hours. And I don't know. if I I mean, even when I was younger, I still didn't like that. But now that I'm older, I'm like, it's it's something that like is almost impossible. Like by the time it's the 16th hour, I can assure you that my patient care is probably not as good as it would have been the first few hours, you know? Um, so I don't know how people do 24s, but to me, like, no. I, I don't know. I feel like that day night thing would be. Yeah. Well, both has some advantages. Like, well, if you're in day shift, um, I think I work, better than on night shift because um i don't know i feel better at daytime mm -hmm. but if you're working night shift you can do all your like go to any yeah. to your doctor see your doctor or yeah go shopping or anything on daytime that's that's cool too but um i'm more into day shifts and i'm as i'm as i'm station manager i mostly do day shifts not night shifts anymore okay. Do you have the same, like with that kind of a schedule, do you get the same days off? Do they rotate? Like, do you kind of know in advance when you'll be off, you know? Yeah. Okay. We know that. So we can plan quite for a year how oh, my so. shift. Yeah. We know how we work next. Uh, I know how I work next year. Okay. Oh, so that's, that's nice. quite perfect. So I yeah. just can plan my holidays and yeah, um, all the other stuff around and can make some appointments and stuff. That's good. Yeah. Do you guys get a mandatory number of days off, like a mandatory vacation period? Because I know in, in the Netherlands, yeah. like a month, like 28 days or something. How many days are you yeah, guys uh, required to uh, take? I have 30 days. Wow. <laughs> that you have yeah. to use, right? Yeah, I have to use them, yep. Jesus. Right now I'm <laughs> holding 52 days because I wasn't, I wasn't holiday last year, not that much. So I'm holding 52 days, but I have to wow. take them this year. Otherwise, they are just gone we work mm. in the wrong country peter yeah because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. like we have to do like summer picks and you know so like we have to you have to take your if you want a day off the next month you have to put in for it and but it has to be before the 15th and you may or may not get it 
So, you know, but we can roll our days over. So like our days where we work, it doesn't, our days don't disappear. So some places like your days disappear after the year. So it's like use it or lose it. But even still, like I don't, we never, I don't know. I also put in an inquiry because I felt like I wasn't, my days were not getting calculated correctly because my, my brother works uh, sanitation and he has, I think now five weeks off a year like that he's entitled to. And there's no way that I have five weeks. Like I'm lucky if I can string together two weeks of days off. And usually I take it like a weekend at a time. Like I'll go away for the weekend or whatever. Um, And this year I don't even think like I'm moving. I wanted to take my son on vacation and I'm like, I didn't have enough time to do that, you know? So I'm just going to try to do it on my regular days off. But yeah, I feel like in Europe and even, I mean, like here, my uncle works for the United Nations. They have like a much more, um, I don't know, reasonable, like they don't expect your whole life to, you know, center around your job essentially. And do people work second jobs there too or no? No. Some, some do, some do actually. Okay. Um, they just work in neighboring agencies, for example. Um, okay. They, but they re- reduce their amount of work here and just go to the neighboring uh, county to work there for the ambulance service. Uh-huh. So at the end of the month, they get like 200 euros plus more uh-huh. than they would get if they just work for the same company yeah. there. But I personally think that's that's not that's not a good thing because um, you know our payment is not that bad compared to other like healthcare workers in Germany. Yeah. And um, as I'm one of the older guys, um, I'm at the like highest position of payment at, at the moment, so okay. I don't have any issues with money. Actually, yeah. of course, it could be more. Yeah. That's, that's... I think that's that's the problem everyone has. Yeah. But um, I, I think our payment isn't that bad that you, you, you are forced to do a second job. And for you, do you, I guess for us here, like um, with our place, we have to work full time. There are no uh, part time positions available. Plus a lot of things in America, if you don't work full time, then you don't get medical benefits and everything. Mm-hmm. But where you are, I mean, there, you know, you have medicine like that your country has. Um, so uh, someone could work part-time for you and then work part-time somewhere else. And there wouldn't be an issue with their benefits. We have many, we have many EMTs who like work for 25% only even 50% is possible. 90%, 80%. It depends on how you want to work. Yeah. Actually, we we can make everything possible. Wow. And you still have health benefits. Like that's amazing. So. Yeah, we all we all have like health insurances. We have mm-hmm. to have it, and yeah. um, um, we have some social welfare insurances that are paid by our company. Yeah, and some other benefits like a uh, job bicycle, where we can uh, get uh, like a, an e-bike. Um, Sorry. <laughs> like- yeah, we can. We have like only half price for a fitness center. <laughs> for pools or for any other stuff yeah it's 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 quite amazing but it's only mm-hmm. like since the last five years i guess it went that way so it's quite cool we get free water we get free coffee we get free um like vegetables what and yeah yeah oh my god mm. uh, <laughs> like why why did they come to america <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why anybody does. Mm. Yeah. And um, so you guys also, 
have uh you guys also have beer after your shift right yeah definitely <laughs> well but it's the only it's the only station who has that to okay. be honest it's not it's not like every station has their like their you can go and get some beer that's that's not yeah. regular for us because okay um the station is placed in a like a red cross center where um like some I don't know, celebrations are going on. And so they have this, uh, like, as I started there in 2000. Yeah. Since then, I know this beer container <laughs> where to get beer. So um, it's almost a routine to drink a beer after shift and to just let go of the things we attended yeah. or seen and have a nice chat along. And it bonds us really, really tied together. That's quite good. Yeah. And it's a local brewery, right? That's yeah, you guys it's get it a from. real local brewery, the same town, yeah. Same, mm -hmm. same part of town, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. A lot of our friends will be jealous. Oh, man. And it's what? It's only a euro, I think you said, right? For yeah, a one euro and you're fine with half a liter of beer. Half a liter of beer. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have only beer. We have all is like it's a mix between lemonade and beer. Oh yes, a Radler. Is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. We can get that too. Yeah. Oh man. Mm. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to Germany next. I mean, you know. You're well. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Definitely, I definitely definitely want to come over there. So that is that would be very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And you can always get a ride along. Yes, yeah. we would love to. That yeah. that maybe that's the goal for 2022. Mm -hmm. We have to set this in motion now. You know. Yeah, gotta get our passports sure. together and stuff like that. Yeah. So when you're on the doctor car, like what kind of calls do you get on a doctor car? Well, it's mostly like all those life-threatening or potentially life-threatening calls, like cardiac okay. arrest, yeah. uh, stroke with deterioration the normal strokes the ambulances do by their own okay but if there is a tendency to to deterioration like losing an airway or mm. the patient is fitting or anything then we attend okay. and like mbas with entrapment um like severe traumas where it's possible to get analgesia or anything uh, all that stuff we attend and we have some non-urgent calls it's like um only doctors are allowed to certify death. Okay. So ah. if the ambulance calls us uh, to a patient who is dead for a long time, yeah, um, um, we can call the doctor's car and we'll come without lights and sirens and just certify okay. death on scene. Or if a patient wants to go, doesn't want to go to a hospital, although he's in a medical condition that uh, should be seen at the hospital. Yeah. And we can call it too, and they will come without sirens and lights, and okay. will try to persuade the patient to go to hospital. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, because if we have like a dead body, we can pronounce them, and we can give like in New York City, we can give a time of death. So like New Jersey, you have to call the paramedics, and then they call their doctor to give them a spiel, and then the doctor will give them a time of death. So like EMTs in New York City and New York State. <clears throat> They could pronounce, you know, someone dead, but it has to be like, well, it has to be obvious, obvious death, you know, like where the person's rigor mortis or decapitated or, you know, um, like there's, missing. <laughs> yeah, like they're, you know, 
I mean, like their brain yeah. shot themselves in the yeah. head or whatever. You know, it has to be like super obvious where it's like mm -hmm. they didn't just die 10 minutes ago. You know, yeah. like they've been clearly dead. Um, Injuries non compatible with life. Yes, thank yes. you. That's, that's yes, a good that's way a, of saying that's it. A sentence, that's the sentence we use too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of um, analgesics? You said that you could come there uh, to give pain management for traumas. Like, what do you folks give for pain management? We have quite a wide range. Um, like the strongest pain medication we have is fentanyl. Okay. Then we have morphine. Okay. Ketamine. Uh, we don't have that, yeah. Um, well, we have the S-ketamine, which you can, like, give lower doses for the same... Uh -huh for the same effects okay um we have i don't know if you know it no valgin mm -mm. it's like a bit stronger than ibuprofen okay um and we have uh butylscopolamine it's like for the cramp pain in your belly for example oh. if somebody has some uh, like convulsions in their kidneys or stuff we can get give that interesting we have a like we have a big range of medications who yeah. can ease pain. Yeah, huh. you and you guys do RSI too, right? Oh, we do RSI in field. Yeah, you don't That's have the, the laugh yeah. gas though, right? No, nope. okay. Uh, no, we we had it for like study reasons. Yeah, but it wasn't that effective for us because mm -hmm. we have like the emergency phys physician who can. Like yeah, give yeah, fentanyl uh, or morphine yeah. or any any type of thing, so we just skip that. Hmm. Yeah, and then who's it? Oh, you guys don't have the green whistle then either, right? That the, green, the green whistle thing that they have like in the UK. No, 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 no. 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 Yeah, I know they have. Maybe it in we Ireland. can get it one day, but mm. yeah. Mm. I that's guess cool. it's it's supposed to. I I guess that's an analgesic. I mean, like the gas is more like a it kind of sedates you and makes you less anxious, yeah. I suppose. But I guess, yeah, if you can give, you know, morphine or fentanyl or whatever, or ketamine, yeah. you know, you're not. We combine it with midazolam, ketamine oh, okay. and midazolam. It's, it's yeah. quite uh, the most used combination. Oh, ah, that person's yeah. probably pretty high. <laughs> yeah, they're feeling good. That's yeah. quite funny. You can use it in a wide range of, like uh, situations like for asthma patients we RSI asthma patients with ketamine and midazolam mm -hmm. um, for those uh, major traumas we use ketamine a lot mm. because it don't take influence on the blood pressure or not that much influence on yeah. the blood pressure yeah. um, so if we have a patient that's like having having an entrapment we use ketamine a lot with midazolam um, just to control, uh, like the blood pressure, yeah, and to don't make them like breathing depressive, yeah. So they then stop yeah. breathing. That's uh, most of the cases we just try to prevent any RSI within an entrapment. Yeah, mm. happens from time to time if the airway can't be secured otherwise. Yeah, um, but we try to not do that. Mm. In in when the person is out, we do it. If it's necessary, yeah. but we try to try to not to RSI them uh, for any good reason. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have the autobahn by you? Yes. How's that? You guys get a lot of entrapments, or is there like a 
I was reading something's like a ton of traffic now. So well, um, it's like a myth that we have that many entrapments on the autobahn because um, uh, the people may drive. 200, 200 to 250, even 300 kilometers per hour. Jeez, but um, like we don't have that many, many serious calls on the on the autobahn. Really? To be honest, the <laughs> most serious calls we have are those small roads between villages. Mm, and mostly okay. at nighttime when the people drink and drive, or yeah. if, uh, the weather conditions are bad. Yeah. Then there we have the serious crashes. Mm. How often do you get because some good they're, they're driving yeah. like idiots too. Yeah. So that's the main cause of real trauma is the small uh, land roads. Hmm. Yeah, we, where we are, we rarely get good pins. Like we had a good pin. When we have a good, when was that good pin, Joel? Um, January? Yeah, like we had like a, an entrapment with a fatality and stuff and we never. Oh, yeah. We never get good MVAs ever. So, because our well, streets are like where we are, was just so congested that yeah. if you get up to speed like that and you hit something, you're going to, you know, it's pretty bad. But, but even well, we when have I that once, twice a week, maybe. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's fun. unfortunate. I, I mean, upstate, it was similar, like the highways. I mean, there were some accidents on the highways, mm -hmm. but. You know, the speed limit was 65 miles per hour. So people are probably going 80, I guess, normally. Um, but mostly people were driving the way they should be. It was those smaller roads, like the two lane roads where maybe the speed limit is 50 and people are drunk, you know, and that's when we would have more accidents. Like those were the worst accidents because people take those roads home thinking like, oh, I'm drunk, I'll take this like, you know, yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. smaller road. <clears throat> but then it's windy or whatever, and that's it. They just kind of hit someone head on or hit a tree. Uh, Same here. We had last year or two years ago, we had a very serious crash, inner city crash mm -hmm. um, with three people dead, one baby dead, um, oh at God. least seven people injured because one of the cars, they put more people in that it was capable of. And the other car was racing like 100 40 kilometers an hour and they just wow. met in the middle of the street so many unhappy coincidences there yeah yeah wow that's crazy that's a crazy speed to be going on like a a regular street you know yeah mm. but that's our german attitude with cars <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> aye, aye. Mm. and you have trains too right we have many trains yeah in our area it's okay but i was like two years ago i worked as the research fellow at the university at munich that yeah. was my only time when i wasn't uh, in paramedicine um so i worked voluntarily on an ambulance there every friday yeah. night and uh, there were all these suburb trains and um, u-bahn like subway and stuff yeah well that was a tough time then yeah we yeah. saw a lot of people who intentionally or not intentionally got in contact with trains yeah and we have yeah. here the ece who drives like 300 kilometers an hour and someday sometimes people decide to jump in front of it yeah yeah, yeah. we get those every once in a while so we had this one girl that i had once she had she tried to kill herself and she didn't succeed and she got out of the hospital and then a couple weeks later she lived by a subway 
And the same guy actually had her again. My partner had her again. And as the train's coming in the station, she's running down the tracks with the motorman like right there. And she dives in front of the train and she ends up falling in between the sleepers and the train rolls over her. Okay. Yeah. You're not meant to die, honey. You're not meant to die. I know. Two two attempts and no dice. Just let it go. You you know, God wants you for something else. So Mm -hmm. don't get that in. But we have had a few, yeah, like the subway incidents where we had one, a surprise one right before COVID, um, where it came in as an unconscious in the subway station. And those tend to be like drunk. A drunk. You know, like someone or a homeless person sleeping. Mm -hmm. And um, we get downstairs and all these people are standing around and the firefighters are kind of like calling us down. And it was a man who was drunk, but it looked like he maybe kind of went to look to see where the train was coming from, but maybe looked the wrong way. And then the train kind of hit him in the head and Mm -hmm. spun him around. Uh, So he actually wasn't as badly injured as I suspected he would have been, but I think. Yeah, because he didn't get sucked in in between. Yeah, and uh, he like got thrown out of his shoes kind of thing. Um, And he had some head injury, but like Mm. I was surprised. It's almost like his drunkenness probably made him very limber and flexible and not. Mm. not The lack of the drunk, we call it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either you, you, you know, either you survive it or you get, you know, demolished. So when you're intoxicated, Pretty much, yeah. so yeah, what other kind of good, what other kind of good calls you guys get over there? That are... Oof, that's difficult. You know, everybody has their own idea of good calls. A good call is when we can actually really make a difference yeah. in someone's life. That's a good call for me. But if we are forced to use all our knowledge, that's a good call too. So we can really um, dive deep into medicine to get someone going again. That's, yeah. that's quite a good call. Maybe yeah. it's surgical, maybe it's medical. Yeah. I don't make that. I personally don't see any difference in between those calls because every call is like another call and we always try to do our best to, to make a difference. So. Mm-hmm. Do you I have like your favorites? Like if I we like, are really needed. That's a good yeah. call. If we are yeah. really needed. Yeah. Like, like my favorites are like diabetic, like medical calls. My favorite are like diabetics. Or oh, I like them a lot Where too. like you can yeah. like, you know, legitimately like fix somebody or something. You know, like those are like my favorite kind of medical calls. Yeah. So, you see an which, effect instantly. Yeah. yeah. Like with Narcan yeah. or, uh, yeah. you know, if you're giving dextrose. Yeah. Like diabetics yeah. or overdoses on an opioid. Yeah. I feel like are yeah. sort of like, oh, wow, that helps yeah. so immediately. Um, I, I always have like, and I, I mean, they're not medical mysteries, but the ones that I enjoy is when Peter and I go on these medical calls and we think it's one thing and we're like sort of going down that road. And then it's like, oh, wait, oh, wow. And then you notice something else. and You're like, oh, my God, it's not that. It could be this. Yeah. Like we had someone recently who was uh, diabetic and they were like laying prone on the floor in their bedroom and their brother found them and they were like, yeah. you know, like oh yeah it's oh, a diabetic diabetic and he was like yeah. clammy and pale and cold so we were like oh easy you know like he's gonna be hypoglycemic and then his sugar was like 500 and he had ketones and we we're like oh and then his pupils were uneven so i was like oh no this poor man probably yeah. had like a stroke or something and like mm-hmm. he was barely breathing we intubated him right like did yeah, we, we tubed him in the truck. Yeah, he had like a like, seizure and everything. So yeah, it, was it was like straight. Like really bad. And I thought, yeah. okay, I felt bad afterwards because the BLS that we were with, the EMTs were like, what do you think this is? You know, and I was like, 
I think he had a stroke. I think that's it. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's going to come back from this. He's probably yeah. brain dead. And then we went back to the hospital later and I had asked about him and they looked it up and they were like, Oh no, he's upstairs in the ICU. He, uh, it was like a diabetic emergency. He was hyper. Yeah. I guess yeah. uh, he just was like super high and, and yeah. it turned into that. But the presentation was so different. He wasn't yeah. hot, red, you know, like he wasn't mm-hmm. any of those things. And mm-hmm. so I just was like, Oh, that's not it. But we leave those calls. I'm like, that was so weird. Like that was like a yeah. medical mystery, <laughs> you yeah. know? And mm-hmm. I like those yeah. kind of, jobs you know that have you thinking and and constantly looking for more clues and you know yeah we had a diabetic four days ago who took four 40 grams of glucose Mm -hmm. and even wasn't awake wow did you take the guy we find we find like the uh the people who take the long acting insulin at night i don't know if you have lantis over there but if they take like any kind of long acting we can never get their sugar up yeah. And yeah. stuff. So like we can keep dumping, dumping, dumping sugar on them. And we end and up nothing. taking them because yeah, it's a just lot like of times, easier. yeah, they can, you know, if we can get someone sugar up and they can eat something, yeah. then we can call our doctor and, and let them stay home. But for those patients, we're usually like, yeah. after all the stuff we've done for them, and then we check their sugar and it's like really not that high still. We're like, mm, you know, they should. Yeah. Are you guys and, giving you know, amps at D50 or are you, is it in a bag? Um, we have like, these small plastic ampoules with uh-huh. like G40, okay, forty percent glucose um, in saline. Yeah, so oh, we wow. just drag it up onto twenty mils and then give it. Okay, like so we give eight grams per dose, oh. and then we measure the blood sugar levels and then we just add up. Huh. Hmm. That's nice. Yeah, because we had a. We have them, and I'll have to send you a picture of it, but they're like giant. They're like 50, it's like 50 mLs, and they come in like huge mm-hmm. syringes. That, or we do um, the D12, which is in 250 milligrams. But we, so, maybe I mean, that's we more end up... comfortable for the patient, I think, because yeah, they, they... The G40 is quite like for the veins, it's not good. Yeah. 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 Well, we're doing, I mean, like the, push and pull and stuff. The so. D50 is, is 25 grams, so it's, it's a thick solution yeah. it's like very hard on the veins you know um i feel like that would be hard on the veins like the 40 grams that's kind of crazy i mean i guess if you're giving eight at a time but still that's like a pretty mm-hmm. heavy duty um solution to be playing someone you guys have ampules too <laughs> i feel bad for you i like the oh. ampules the, the crack the crack yeah them, you know? yeah we we tried we had these um ready to use syringes of adrenaline yeah like 20 years ago uh, and they were too expensive so we just went we call it party bottle of adrenaline <laughs> it's like 25 okay. milligrams of adrenaline yeah yeah and we always use it for like um a cardiac arrest so it's yeah. called the party party pot or anything yeah <laughs> yeah wow mm. i don't miss that yeah we used to have party packs in narcan and sit. it was like a 20 milligram bottle of Narcan. We used to call oh, that's it a party good. pack. Yeah. So since we don't have that much overdoses, we just carry like uh, two small ampoules of it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, we have tons. In. So where my kid, where my kid's mom works, like they they carry Narcan in the cup holder in the front of the ambulance mm-hmm. and stuff. That's how that's many people they Narcan. Hard. Yeah. So. It's but we have what? many alcoholics, so we can't help them. But yeah, 
Mm. I know that's do you you folks don't give do you give like thiamine and all that stuff because we used nope. to give that yeah back yeah. when I first came uh became yeah, a medic dextrose yeah we dextrose gave like this whole group of things to diabetics but I don't think yeah. you know I mean I don't think that was super helpful anyway I mean you know these folks are getting <laughs> all that stuff at the hospital anyway but mm. it wasn't making a big difference for them yeah I think that's a harder patient to, to help because you're not, you're not really doing much, you know, you're just sort of like yeah. maybe giving some fluid, maybe, you know, mm. <clears throat> um, but that's kind of it, you know, at least with the Narcan, we can see a big difference. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's your biggest kind of call. Do you have like a lot of asthma jobs or the intox? Like what's, what's your most prevalent type of call that you guys, you guys are taking in? Um, I could say the most jobs we attend to is like um, breathing problems at the moment. Okay. Like not only for COVID reasons, but we have many people with COPD okay. and chronic asthma and stuff. Uh, and all those heart related calls like um, heart attacks and, and other stuff like cardiac asthma and stuff. That's, yeah. that, that are the most caused then followed up by stroke things okay. and um, like yeah that's it mainly yeah. more medical cause than a surgical cause yeah that's funny. like in a ratio between 20 to, to, to 80 oh wow okay yeah what do we do yeah, we, don't do it. It we, don't do like, we don't do it it depends we don't do a lot of asthma but... Yes, we do. What? We trauma? steal people's yeah, oh, trauma. We steal people's trauma. It. Yeah. But we uh, do do asthma. It's just I feel like asthma I did more when I worked the day shift for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. Um yeah. now at night we do more intox, like drunk and drug calls. <clears throat> um and more homelessness because I think people are looking for a place to be at night. And then we of course still have the COPD and the heart failure calls and you know, yeah. cardiac stuff. Yeah, the cardiac arrest is usually like early in the morning and yeah. stuff. So we don't really get, we're lucky because we get out at five o'clock. So, you know, usually don't find your, your family dead at five in the morning. It's usually like six o'clock, six, seven o'clock where they start waking up. True, and true. Yeah. We have that too. We have those findings too. Yeah. 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 Oh. And you guys have the corporal CPR machine. And you've, yes, you have you have. used the other one? Uh, the Lucas, Lucas device? Yeah. Yes, I used the Lucas device also as I was in Munich in the in whole in the whole of Bavaria they have Lucas. Okay. Um, because they all the medical equipment is bought over in other organizations centrally. Okay. So you can go to Bavaria and every ambulance is the same. Oh, like okay. from Munich to Nuremberg uh, to any other town, all the ambulances look the same. Hmm. It's quite it's quite a good thing. Yeah. And you have to go to another country county um then you find yourself in the same ambulance actually uh, that you're working in already yeah it's so a good thing so i i experienced the lucas and i experienced the cpr the corporal cpr and um i used the corporal cpr the last time on a 10 year old um it was not that funny to see how this machine worked on this boy i guess yeah um he didn't survive Anyway, but um, it can it comes very handy when you have to transport somebody yeah. in, in in the 
who you have to do CPR on. So wow. it's a, a safety measure that counts a lot for us. <clears throat> we don't have to Which... stand up in the ambulance to, oh, to yeah. do chest compressions. And we just can like sit down and give like on the one side, the doctor gives the drugs and I'll note down everything or do mm -hmm. some yeah. other stuff, get a second yeah. IV line in or yeah, that's, that's quite comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Which one do you like better? Uh, I personally go with the Lucas device. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Because the corpus has this hard stamp. Okay. And the Lucas device has this plumbing thing. Yeah, like a plunger. It's a bit softer. Okay. And it pulls up the, the thorax. It pulls it up. Okay. And so we got like this better effect of um, like um, circulation going on. I don't know mm. the right words in English. Yeah, no, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Okay. So mm. I personally like the Lucas more than the Corporal CPR, but I think yeah. those both of those things do a lot of helping when it comes to yeah. transport. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because like we had we had the Lucas when we first got the Lucas, we were saving everybody, and then they kind of they took it away from us for a little while because they said there was some issues with you know the time it went on and da da da. And now we're only allowed to use it when we transport. So it's, it's no more on scene. So we have, the, we have the firemen that do CPR. But, you know, everywhere else, everybody else just throws it on like you're saving all kinds of people. Yeah, we so. don't have firemen. We have a reason. At least we now have BLS come to um, support us on CPR calls. But um, okay. mostly we do it on our own, like for people. It's, yeah. Sometimes it's a bit less than you should have yeah but it works somehow yeah. so the firefighters so, only go to fire jobs they don't go to yeah. ems or emergency yeah spot. and um, the fire department in our city is voluntarily mm. so all okay. cities uh, under like 100,000 inhabitants have a voluntarily uh, staffed fire department and over 100,000 it come becomes professional Mm. Wow. do they get do they mind coming out to help you guys or no they're oh. really friendly they're coming handy like we do some ladder ladder rescues when somebody is in the third or fifth floor we call them to transport them down if we do we have some some somebody intubated we don't go to two to stairs we just call the letter and they help us out that is so cool Oh, that's you guys that's have the, the bed that comes out of the window or something, or yeah, yeah. We, we the ladder goes up, and then we put the, like the top part of the stretcher off. We can do it with our stretchers. That's actually it's it's a two part stretcher where you have the patient's thing where the patient lies on, and then yeah. we have this thing we can uh, shove into the ambulance. We can just part it, and then we can. Put it on the ladder and then get to the patient just put the patient on it and go down and then everything's good that's nice yeah that's yeah. so cool i mean i i saw a video of it and i i thought that was like pretty impressive i don't know why <clears throat> we don't get yeah. something like that because we do tend to sometimes if we're working in a rest or whatever we're carrying this person on like this a scoop stretcher down like three flights of stairs I mean, how effective is the CPR? You know, that's why we put the Lucas on now, but yeah. it's but now you have like the tippy. 
you know, you're tippy yeah. and then it's like four stairs down and a turn and turn. Yeah, and, yeah. And you're, so, you know, potentially getting uh, staff members like very injured yeah. while doing that. So that would be such a nice, um, yeah. especially because the fire department is like an umbrella, you know, like it, it could mm -hmm. have, it could have equipment that has like, you know, the apparatus fitted for those kind of things. Yeah. But, I've only had one tower out of rescue, but that's because they took the stairs out. They were doing work in the oh, house. Yeah, they took the, they, these people, they basically, they sold the building and they were holdouts in the building and they mm -hmm. were on like the sixth floor. And the, the guy told them like, yo, we're gonna, we're taking the stairs out. They're not going to be back till later in the day. And this lady decided that sometime during the day that she was going to have asthma. And mm, you know, <laughs> we had yeah. to climb out the fire escape and then go <clears> up. And so it was fun. I didn't get to go on the ladder though. It, we we do strange. have those lot of rescues like regularly, like three to four times a week. Wow! If you get one, like you gotta even, get us some video of this. I know. So that I, would be I, a I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to the yeah. next time. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But it it happens quite regularly, even I with with elderly trauma patients who get their yeah. head broken. Yeah. Um. We do that because it's the most comforting way for them to go like downstairs because yeah. we, at first we firstly we don't want to hurt our backs that's one thing mm -hmm. and the second thing is that i think if you carry people downstairs and in these old houses that we have like they're 200 years plus yeah. in age the staircases are quite steep and quite narrow like, yeah yeah narrow yeah, uh, more like ladders actually. So oh. we don't do them a favor if we carry them downstairs <laughs> yeah. on a on a scoop stretcher. Mm. Yeah, we have that. Like, if you're on the stairs in the city, like when they they teach you always stay on the inside and never go on the banister because it's like you know safer and stuff. Like, but we've been on stairs where you're like, I hope we don't all fall through this thing. Yeah, because so, I know some, that. Yeah, some houses. I mean, we're we are not obviously as a lot of our older buildings got, you know, destroyed and uh, New yeah. York is not as historical maybe as it used to be, but we still do have um, buildings that were, you know, a hundred years old and they have these like weird kind of spiral type staircases. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it's, I mean, it, it can be a little dangerous and yeah, the railing or the banister is like falling apart. And so you're trying to lean against the wall and, and then you get like scraped up on the wall because it's mm -hmm. all old and, um, yeah. you know, so there's all these like different actually if I show you the room I'm in this is like 500 oh, wow. years old actually oh my god really yeah that's awesome that is awesome I know <laughs> that is super awesome <laughs> we live in those houses still so yeah wow. and but they got renovated and like very very modern inside so yeah. it's quite comfortable to live in Huh. Do you have air conditioning? No. Uh, like at the moment, it's like 28 degrees here inside. Okay. So that's, right. that's not too bad. Yeah. yeah it's like, here, so I have, we have air. I have air. So no, I don't. Other than that, it's like. <clears throat> well, well, I my love air condition. Is, yeah. I love it too. I have it in my bedroom, but this building is like, I think it's probably the pre built in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. 1930s. So it's yeah. older, 90-year-old building or so. Um, so the window is nice and big, but, like, it doesn't really fit. I mean, an air conditioner, I guess you could put them here. I'd have to get them to take, like, the gates, the 
child gates off and everything. So I just have a fan. But it would be nice when I go to Peter's house, he has like centralized air. I'm like, oh, so comfortable in this house. That's good. That's quite yeah. good. I'm a bit jealous. Actually. I am too. Mm -hmm. I am too. <laughs> Because it yeah. can get hot here, really hot. And as the highest temperature we had was 35 degrees inside. That wow. was so not that funny. No. Oh. And I mean, that's awful to sit in. Plus, I mean, the room that you're in, does it have windows on either side? I didn't notice. Yeah. But okay, so you get some cross ventilation. Yeah, yeah. And, and this we have this big window here. Ah, okay. You see those big windows? Yeah, so we have some mm -hmm. ventilation inside, yeah. yeah. And you have a terrace, right? Two? Yeah, two, two terraces. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, shot a terrace <laughs> as if I put the giant deck out in the back. I know, I'm like, you have a whole yeah. backyard, yeah. That's not that big. So. I have a fire escape. <laughs> well, <laughs> we uh. The town we lived in before we moved back here, in the time I was in Munich, we had a really, really big backyard, and it was, and we never used it. Really? Before. We have two kids, and um, I had to mow the lawn when ah. the, the guys from downstairs weren't at home, and we are allowed to use the backyard, but we didn't use it that often. Wow. Yeah, I always think, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think if I, in my mind, if I had a yard, I would use it all the time because as it is now, I just take my son to the playground. And luckily in New York city, there are a ton of playgrounds yeah. everywhere. Um, and the one that is downstairs is actually quite clean and, and nice, but um, I just would like to have a private area where I can cook, you know, barbecue and sit outside. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This is my dream for the future to get a backyard. You know, yeah. backyard. I think it's the best thing to have yeah. if you use it. If you can use it, if you it, got yeah. time to, yeah, you should definitely okay. have a backyard. Yeah, you know, like the house prices in New York City are astronomical. Yeah, so I believe that. Anything yeah. for like less was it like less than a million? Like a decent house is like well, yeah. Like I mean, <clears throat> a little shack uh, is like a million in New bucks. York City, probably the lowest priced houses now are maybe five to six hundred thousand. I think. Mm -hmm. And those are, those are houses that you probably need to put like another $200,000 worth yeah. of work into. Even the house that I grew up in, in Queens, um, my parents bought it for like 180000 I believe. And they sold it for like maybe four hundred seventy. And now it's, I follow it on, you know, this realtor website. And I think it's like 600 and some odd thousand dollars. Like I would never be able to buy that. Yeah. Um, But, you know, my mother had a yard and, and it didn't have grass. It was concrete, but she put so many flowers and bushes and trees and like, it felt like an oasis, you know, it was like very yeah. nice. So I always think, you know, if I had that, uh, I I'd probably have to move out of the city if I want a house, you know, somewhere else. <laughs> um, my son was asking about it. He wants a house because he wants to put Christmas decorations up in the front. <laughs> well, that's that's a good thing to have. But yeah. same with us here. We have like really astronomical prices at the moment, um, especially for the big cities like Berlin or uh, Munich. Munich is, I don't know why that it is so expensive, but if you want to buy a house you're in with like four millions for a Oh really small, really small place that has like 
one square foot of garden, maybe. That's yeah. that's that's disgusting. Yeah. That, that was one of the reasons why we moved back to here to the Black yeah. Forest. Um, because if you want to buy a house here, well, it's expensive too at the moment. Um, but if you want a really nice family home with a really nice backyard, you like five hundred thousand to the max. Wow. Okay. Which is still not cheap, it, but it, it's not cheap, but yeah, it's more realistic than yes, paying more, more than a million for like a small yeah dog pound. For nothing, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, and my you're parking. father. You know, yes. it's like you have a parking spot too. And that's you know? my my father keeps talking about like he lives in a different state. He lives down south now in Florida after he retired, and we were talking about having him come up here and and be with my son and me, and. He was like, well, I'd, I'd like to stay in the city instead of going to the suburbs. And I'm like, it's impossible. I mean, I was looking at houses that are, they're attached on both sides. So there's no space. It's dark inside because of that. They're like $700,000. They have a tiny, tiny little yard that you can see all of your neighbors in and there's no parking. So I'm like, who would, who would do that? I, you know, I would not do that. I mean, I, I couldn't do that, you know, even if we wanted to. But why bother to waste my money? You know, like for that, I could just go somewhere else, I guess, you know. So, I don't know. Well, we decided to to live on rent here because it's not realistic to, to pay like for 500,000 euros for a house that, it, it, that even doesn't meet our personal yeah. um, visions yeah. of living in a yeah. very comfortable home. So... That's why we just pay rent to a landlord and it's okay. okay. He has to care for everything. Like if there is anything broken, he has to fix it. Yeah. So Yes, which is lovely. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. okay, I guess. Yeah. So do you have any questions for us? Of course I have. Ask away. <laughs> Definitely. This isn't just about us. Yeah. Come on. I have many questions. Definitely. Go well, for not, it. Not many, but some some That's questions. All right. Go for it. Um how big is your service? Like the FDNY, we all imagine it's really, really big. And um, you do you run out of stations? But first things first, how big uh-huh. is your service? It okay. is pretty big. She's going to answer that. I'm going to get the book. One sec. So it is pretty big. Um, so there are five boroughs in New York City. And um, each borough is sort of broken into different divisions. Uh, I want to say they run a thousand ambulances um on a daily basis so it's a lot and uh even at our station our station alone just covers a couple of neighborhoods and i think we run 10 units 10 ambulances out of our station alone three als and seven bls um and then at night that number goes down a little bit we still run the three als and i think we run two bls overnight uh, but still some of the BLS run until two in the morning. I mean, so it's not like, you know, they're gone the whole night. Um, but yeah, I want to say it's a thousand and I forget exactly how many stations there are, but our station is in one neighborhood and there's another station, you know, three miles from us and another station, two miles from that. So even though we run that many ambulances in the whole area of Brooklyn, like Northern Brooklyn, where we are, I mean, I think there's probably... There's got to be like 30 ambulances that run in just kind of that area alone. Um, and I'm tell- it, with, 
even with that, we still, there's still patients who end up waiting and we get called across the entire borough or, or even sometimes we get called into a different borough. Like we work in Brooklyn and at the overnight, sometimes we end up going into Queens because there's no units there because um, they're on a job. So I think we do 1.6 million jobs a year and it's something That's like 4,000 4, calls a day. So it's, yeah. you know, for a thousand ambulances doing four calls a day, it's, uh, it's a lot, you know, like, so, I mean, it's, it's busy. Like we're always very busy. You know? I guess so. We, we, yeah. we hear that. We hear that. And we always have, like, we try to imagine how it would be to work there and um, that it must be very busy and you have many calls with uh, like criminal or violence so we, we 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 can't even imagine how it would be to work there it's not as busy as you would think i will tell you because i've worked in a lot i worked in a bunch of places before i came here and i was amazed at how busy it wasn't so like when my kid's mom works like they do their bls they do two calls an hour so and they do 12 hour shifts so um her medic unit that she's on, they average usually 12 calls plus a day. So but 12 you know, calls, if you're not transporting every one of them, yeah, I mean, they, it's they a also lot do of backup. It's a lot of driving around for us. Like we might do 10 jobs. Um, but like in the last couple of days, we did like 13, 12 jobs or whatever. Um, but maybe we transported like eight or nine of those patients. Maybe one of those patients stayed at home and then like another one or two, we got there and we were canceled by either the BLS or we were canceled because the patient walked away. Yeah. Um, but we do a lot of transporting. I think, you know, yeah. for us. We do a lot more like medics. We do a lot more transporting than like where she is, you know, because we go on a lot of solo calls by ourselves. Yeah. So, um, but we also, and we do have a lot of, especially now in New York City, there's been like a lot more. Um, oh. Here it is. Violent crimes in the last year or two. I mean, it always has been, but I don't know why, like the last two years have been like a sort of steady yeah. um, rise in violent crime. So uh, there's a lot of stabbings and shootings and assaults that go on. So yeah. we deal with the police very closely, you know, um, yeah. they're on a lot of our jobs. All right. So these numbers are, I always use these numbers, but these are a little old. So Right now, uh, all three tours, there's 235 municipal ALS and 431 municipal BLS units. And then when they so say that's voluntary, just that's just the fire department. Yeah. Um, the voluntary, there's 138 ALS and there's 216 volunteer, voluntary BLS. So it's like 1,020. So it's probably a little bit more now. So like we've added units and plus we went from eight hour shifts to 12s. So we've increased some units, but then they've also like, they increased their time. So they run after midnight now, some of those units. So, yeah. And we went That's from five divisions. Quite impressive number. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think now there's like nine or 10 divisions because they split. We used to have only five. And now they split each borough like two or three times to split it up. So we, the span of control is different. So All right. um, like mm -hmm. our station, we're overseen by a captain 
and then two lieutenants on a normal shift. So we have one in the office and then one in a car. It's called the conditions car. And they kind of like run around like on a cardiac arrest, they'll come. Or if you need help with a patient, you know, so um, our boss, our usual boss, Neil, um, you know, he's a buff. So he carries a flashlight. We always make fun of him about that. But I mean, maybe you can come to New York at some point. I I would love like that would be cool if we could get like paperwork done and you could come. Yeah. See what it's yeah. like. I will try. I was in New York in 1999, actually. Oh. That's when New York but, was still real. But <laughs> it's coming I don't back. know. I, yeah. I don't know the difference. But yeah. I was in New York, and I was quite uh, impressed by 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 the hugeness of this city. It was yeah. like for me, it was oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. never ending. Actually, no, it doesn't. And that's that's the thing is like the cool thing about New York City is like if you get bored in one neighborhood or one station, you can transfer, you know, a couple miles away or to another borough and it's a whole different city, you know. So like I came out, I came out of of train of at an academy and I was in the Bronx. And when I was in the Bronx, we did everything's a walk up. There was like eight, 10 story walk ups. And then. I got upgraded to paramedic. I was like, yo, I'm not going back to the Bronx. It's like, there's too many stairs. It's like, I'm not mm-hmm. humping that shit up the stairs. So, you know, I've been in, in Bed-Stuy ever since. So, but. Bed-Stuy Brooklyn, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So like you can go to Staten Island and it's just like where I live, like the nice suburbs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah. you know, it's a good mix of everything. And that's the cool thing about it. So there's, there's always something going on. You know, just always new food. So that's that's one thing I like about paramedicine. You get to you get to know your city quite well, and you get to know yeah. where all the good food stores are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know. Are you, it, are you a GPS guy or are you a map guy? Or you like to know your um, landmarks? Um, well, we 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 have like a system um, where the dispatch center sends us all the data on, like mm-hmm. you have. Yeah, and uh, we have an automatic navigation. So if we press the button for, um, uh, like, we take we take the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the system will us navigate us. Okay, so it's automatically. We can't just don't do it. It, it oh, goes on and it goes no matter yeah. what. Yeah, hmm. but sometimes I have to take out the good old maps and. Navigate my way mm. through the small uh, towns and villages around. Yeah. And um, yeah, it comes in handy if you can yeah. read maps. Yeah. Most of the younger guys don't read, they maps, can't read anymore. maps. No. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's our common thing. Like, we have a few people who whole, uh, fully rely on the GPS and stuff like that, and they don't deviate, you know? So, I mean, I, that's. I that know. I thought was surprising. Like, when yeah. I first came on the job, uh, 16 years ago, we had to take like the emergency vehicle operators course and they had a whole map section and it was like mm-hmm. the more, most simple map questions ever where, you know, it, it gave you this like grid of six blocks or something. And it was like, if you're going, you know, they tell you to go north on whatever this block and then, uh, then go west or whatever. And I found it like very simple because it was like the most simplified map ever. And and everybody that I came on with, we all found it simple because we all learned to drive with maps. And, you know, this was night or 2006 or whatever. 
And then when I had my son, I came back to the return to duty. And part of that was going through that vehicle operators course again. And it was like, I was the oldest person there. And it was all young people who were in their like early 20s. And when the map part came up, like people were super confused about the maps. And it was the same simple, like, you know, kind of standard, like six blocks, they gave you like the, on the side, like northwest, like a little, you know, and I, I was really surprised that people had trouble with it. So I was like, this is so easy. It's ridiculous. But I guess for, you know, the younger people who are like, 15 years plus younger than I am, they've never looked at a map or, you know, had to use a map in their lives. So they're not even familiar with like, which way's west, which way's east, you know, and so I, I thought that was like pretty shocking, but um, I don't know. Thankfully, we still we have an atlas in our. our yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Our our administration wants to cancel all that um, like map thing on the ambulance and just rely on the GPS. But I'm like, no, I just keep my maps inside yeah. my ambulance because you yeah. never know yeah. when you're running out of if there is a technical issue or something yeah. with the with the set nav. <clears throat> you just end up using the map and i think yep. in some areas we don't have that like good coverage with gps yeah and so it comes in handy sometime in the black forest especially because at the gps system not all these narrow streets are um, provided so if you're going up mm -hmm. a hill or something can happen sometime um, then you will don't find it in the gps system You'll only oh, have it in the uh, maps. That's so funny. Hmm. Yeah, when I used to work in the country, we had that. So some things wouldn't come up and stuff like that. So yeah. that's always. So fun. when did you both start in EMS? Um, I started in 1999 and I became an EMT in like 2000. Hmm. So I started as a volunteer and then I started EMS like a couple, like six months after that. Then I got like an EMS job. So, and I went to school in 2006 to be a medic. So, yep. and I'm at the fire department since 2012. So that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I wish I came here sooner. I'd be almost done. I know. So, <laughs> I'd be like ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. So for me, I, I mean, I felt like I was older. I was 24 or so. It was like 2003, 2004 when I, um, went to EMT school and then I started working as a CPR instructor for a little bit. And then I worked as an EMT upstate and it was 2006 where I finally got hired by the fire department because I had applied for them maybe in 2003, 2004. Um, and it took like over two years for me to get hired. And then I've been with the fire department since 2006. So I felt like I was old at the time. I, I mean, because I was like 26 going on 27 and everyone else in my class was like 21, 19, you know. Um, so I sometimes wish I started a little bit earlier, but I had no idea. I wanted to be a teacher. I, I wasn't planning to do this, you know. It was just because my brother, my father was a firefighter and then my brother took an EMT class and told me how cool it was. And I was in the right mindset to be like, all right, I'll check that out. <laughs> and Lo and behold, all these years later, I'm still doing it. Still happy with the job? Yeah, I still enjoy it. You know, I like going to work every day. I mean, I have a good partner. Peter is my, my partner. And that's we have thing is, like, if you can, That's the toughest thing. You know, like I have my burnout phase, 
you know, where you're just like angry at everything, you know, and once you realize it, you can't, you can't stop it. You know what I mean? It's, it is what it is. It's the same nonsense all the time. And, you know, I, I make a game out of it, you know? So what about I you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, do you feel every day that you're, you still are enjoying it or there are some days that you're like, Ugh, I'm done, you know? Well, some days are like a bit more exhausting than others, I think, but I, Overall, I still love my job, and it was definitely the right decision I took at the at the age of four to pursue that. So I guess um, I still I'm still happy with it, even with my master's degree in in healthcare management. I never could imagine doing like a desk job yeah. or a only desk job. Yeah. Right now I'm like twenty percent on a desk when I do my station manager duties. Like it's like your officer, I think yeah um and that's kind of enough for me to yeah. sit behind the desk but yeah. I, I love the hands-on thing to be there for the patients to do all this medical stuff uh to be around with my with my team um that's what makes emergency medical service great i think the teamwork the team effort to do something together to improve someone's life that's i think that's the most re rewarding thing at the end of the day so i have an excellent partner at my side uh, i have two we have actually I have three partners depends on the car i'm sitting on um so like the teamwork is like the thing that keeps me still going i guess yeah, yeah. that is how nice. have the kids changed how have they uh, used kids so how have the kids changed from when you started to now? Is there a difference in their mentality? Yeah, definitely. What do you think the difference because, is? Because what do you see? I see like most of the kids don't want to work hard for any effort. Like they see like all these influencer stuff and say, oh, life can be so funny and so cool and yeah. don't work hard, earn much money. But. I see it by myself. I have to work hard to earn that money that I'm earning. Mm -hmm. uh, and life's not about looking good. Life's about making things good mm. for you or for others. And I think that's the main concern I have because we have to deal with it on an administrative level to, to get the people interested in EMS because it's yeah. hard work, it's dirty work. Like pulling out someone that's shed himself all over. Yeah. Like that's nothing heroic, yeah. I guess. And mm -hmm. you can't make a selfie out of it. Yeah. Looking good <laughs> while doing it. Mm. So for the younger people, I guess EMS is not that interesting anymore. And they don't willing to put in hard work because it's hard work when you yeah. really seriously want to pursue this, this job you have to put in hard work yeah and most of the younger guys and girls i see and and we get from paramedic school they're just oh man the third call of the day i'm so exhausted i have to have a break and like i i, I never learned that we, we didn't back then we didn't have, have a, a break yeah. When there was call after call, we had to go call after call yeah. without any drinking, without any eating, and maybe for 24 hours. Yeah. Just yeah. stopping at the hospital, just taking 
necessary fluid amounts yeah. and then go back to the ambulance. Yeah? yeah. And that's not possible in these days. Oh, we have some regulations. We are not allowed to work longer than two, 12 hours. And when we go in overtime, that's bad. And, but yeah, that's the job. Going overtime, that's the job. Mm-hmm. You can't stop yeah. CPR yeah. when you're running out of time. Yeah. 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 I know. Do you That's- find that I think one thing that I notice is that a lot of newer people, they um, they they have the mentality of I've seen that and done it already a lot sooner. Yeah, yeah. And they have a lot more confidence. I'll use the word cockiness. Sometimes cockiness is that you know, like they've seen a ton of things already, you know, and that they can yeah, handle yeah, anything yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and like they're we ready. See that too. You know, like two, like I've been on for like, you know, two years and I've seen everything and I'm you know, I got like 20 years. I still haven't seen everything and I'm still dazzled. I don't know what to do a lot of times. I know. I still don't you know? feel as boldly confident as yeah. some, so. some younger folks where I, I mean, I feel like I know that on a job, like I am not as afraid as I was when I first came on and I have a better understanding of how to do things mm-hmm. and how to work things. So in that way, I feel confident. I feel confident that I know what my responsibilities are. Um, but there's definitely still times where I'm like, oh, what is this? Or, oh, my God, ugh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't love this job that I'm on yeah. right now because I feel like, oh, I'm scared. Like this kid is sick or, you know, what I mean, like if it's yeah. if it's something yeah. that I don't want to be dealing with, it's I still get that feeling of like, oh, oh, my God, like this is a little scary. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't and I'm like and I again, yeah, it's like I've got I mean, a total of what, 17 years or something of EMS. Mm-hmm. I still don't feel like all knowing or you know um i don't know but that's definitely interesting to hear that you know that that the younger generation over there think the same way yeah it's 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 like i thought the same they are so confident and well they are well trained no Mm -hmm. question about that but i think this self-confidence may harm some people in the near future so i had to learn a lot and i will learn till i'm retiring and after that yeah. i still will learn yeah. some new things and that's that's the another thing that fascinates me about this job you never attend the same job the second no. time yes and mm-hmm. every job is a like oh i learned something mm-hmm. yeah. even if i didn't learn something it was it was quite interesting and they're bored out like the first day they they come from paramedic school they're just talking like the salty guys Mm-hmm. yeah um I, I know that and i know that and even with the teachers there they are just younger than me they're just qualifying as paramedics and the next year they're applying for a teacher's job at the paramedic school <laughs> and I'm so like, oh, this is very that's familiar. interesting it sounds so familiar mm-hmm. like i and don't that's, and that's and that's not the thing like when i'm going to like um like have to attend classes or something I'm sitting in the back and there's a young, very young guy in front of me telling me how to do things or certain things. And some they, sometimes I'll just make a fun out of it and ask, did you ever did that by yourself? Mm-hmm. And most of the times they just look and are quiet. So yeah. on the one hand, they know really, really many things that I did, didn't know or I don't know. Yeah, but if, if come if if it comes to daily routine and it comes really to the job, well, they're mm-hmm. quite thin. 
Yeah. Yes, we say. That's the thing is like, you know, the experience, you know what I mean? Like you can have all the training in the world, but you know, it's the experience, you know, and can you put your skills to action, you know, in, in the time of, you know, or can you pull something out of your ass, you know, and make something happen from nothing, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the point improvising. And that's a big, a big part of, I consider my job. There is no like a pre, uh, pre, conducted solution to a problem yeah, every no. single we always thing. we always have to think okay can i solve this problem the, the way yeah. i solved it yes last day or yesterday yeah. and many of the calls we have to improvise and that's the most interesting thing besides the team aspect that we yeah. don't have like this solution i pull out of my pocket and everything will be fine yeah. mm-hmm. so in many calls we have to improvise and work out solutions that aren't on a, a, a SOP or on, or on a paper yeah. or anything, yeah. but it has to work and it has to work instantly to, to make yeah. an effort. So yeah. those things are lost with the new generation and they're not mm-hmm. keen and, and not interested to hear it from the older guys yeah. or to get, to get it demonstrated in any ways because I don't know why, but they've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Two days of service, seen it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. You know, like, especially for EMS, you know, what we see here and what we, we initially went into or we had an issue with is people would like Monday night quarterback, some things that we did, you know, and there's so many ways to do so many different things in the same job, you know, and maybe the one way that we show you may not be clinically perfect, but it may help you down the road or in the, in the middle of the night. You remember, yo, I remember I saw this once, you know, and the fireside, they don't eat each other alive as bad as we do, you know, for like making a crazy mistake or, you know, doing something that isn't clinically perfect or, you know, within protocol, you know. So um, that's yeah, our whole I mean, thing right here is, you know, it's not being clinically perfect. Like, you know, what you said is like, is the real of it, you know, this is the yeah, truth. I think this job takes a lot of improv, uh, you know, you have to um improvise certain skills um you also are dealing with other human beings in sometimes very vulnerable positions and so things might take a little bit more of like dealing with uh, a human being using you know kid gloves like trying to be gentle with them and and patient and compassionate to someone and maybe that means like okay well i didn't you know they wanted to do this so i did that instead of forcing them into this position or whatever yeah. um, because it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's easier to like get the person to trust you and feel comfortable with you yeah. than forcing some kind of medical something down their throat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our it might job, just be putting somebody's socks on, you know? Yeah. I hate putting people's socks on, <laughs> but I sometimes absolutely you hate to. it, but I will do it. You know, yeah. that's like, I, hate, I, so. I feel like there's a lot of things that you need compassion for and you need to have a a mind that's not so black and white that needs, you know, that can sort of um, see people in different settings under different circumstances and kind of work with what you have Mm -hmm. um, and not be so rigid. Like, Oh, the protocol says it's like, well, obviously, but like we're, we're here now, not in a classroom. This is not a black and white scenario on paper. This is, what we're actually dealing with in this current moment. And sometimes you have to change the way you approach things, you know? And I mm-hmm. think personally, they don't learn emotional intelligence anymore. 
like as you said, you have to like walk in the shoes of your patients to understand them. And if you didn't do that, then just be kind to them because I I personally think if somebody's kind to me and calls me in the middle of the night because he's distressed, I can ask why he is distressed and then I can make some medical or other decisions, but he has the worst day of his life. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, so emotional intelligence is, I think the key factor in working very efficiently as a paramedic, because you, you have to know your patients at an instant, like in a second, in a matter yeah. of seconds, you have to not know their life, uh, the history, but you have to get a feeling about this patient and feeling mm -hmm. is the point. If you don't feel the situation, I think you never, you never will be that successful if when you're feeling the patient, yeah. like I have, I call it stomach feel. Yeah? Mm. yeah. I do all my medical stuff and all the numbers are fine. Yeah. But yeah. that there is like, in the back of my my, yeah, my belly, just there's isn't a feeling. Up. Oh, yeah. I don't. I think we shouldn't leave him at home. Yeah. Although his numbers are fine, I think yeah. there is something going on that we can't see yet. Yeah. So better take him to the hospital or to to his general practitioner yeah. at least to get him sorted out by a doctor yeah. who put more effort in his education than me than than I did. So that he's sorted out and he's fine, and then oh, everything is fine. Like he has a good blood pressure, heart rate's good, saturation's good. Mm -hmm. So we can take leave him at home. I think yeah. this mm -hmm. is lost. Yep. But yeah. this gets more and more lost in the new new generation of paramedics. Yeah. I think for us, we have a high turnover rate um, with our EMTs. So. We have people who become EMTs young and then often move on to better paying um, jobs, which I understand why, but sometimes that experience level is never reached, like that empathy level is never reached. And I, I think that goes for how to um, actually take care of your patient. Like you said, like everything might look you know, fine, their vitals are fine, everything that you're checking out looks good, but there's something in the back of your mind saying like, hmm. I don't feel that good about this. Let's just go to the hospital. And it, it also comes in being uh, able to protect yourself. Like sometimes you have a patient where there's something just to me, I had one recently where I don't know, I like we were in the back of the ambulance and uh, it was a drunk person, I think that we picked up off the floor. And Peter, we went by the hospital, the closest hospital that we were going to take him to. And when we got yeah, there, it was like backed up down the thing. Yeah, and the I was whole, like, hey, want to go somewhere else? And I was like, no. Like, I want to go here because I didn't yeah. want to be in the back with him any longer. Like, I got a very bad feeling about him. And then even when we got into the hospital, it was just like that sense that like, you know, that sense that mm, I don't know if this guy's as drunk as he's putting on. I think yeah. he might hurt someone. And yeah. I warned like the nurse and the um, the tech there just like, don't don't be alone with him. You know, like, be yeah. careful. Let's get hospital police here. Yeah. Because it's just like you get those feelings about people that you can't explain, but it's like a gut feeling. And it's, yeah. I think it takes yeah. experience to know that yeah. like... Uh, and when to listen to your gut, you know? Yeah. So when yeah. to listen to it, you know, that some shit's going to go south or, you know, somebody's going to go south. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, and the other thing that we see is like a lot of people aren't from the area. 
So, you know, when they come into the inner city, they're like, oh, these people live in the fucking projects. They don't mean anything, you know, but they're, they're still people, you know, yeah. like these people, they may not live like you and me, you know, in the suburbs or in a nice house, but they're still people, you know, like they still need a blanket. They still need a pillow and somebody to be nice to them, you know? Yeah. That's an unfortunate that's, thing. I, I feel like there's a lot of younger folks who grew up, maybe I hate to say it like this, but in like a nice suburb and they never come into the city and now they're working in the city. Yeah. And I don't think they working. can talk to anybody any old kind of way. Yeah. And, you and know, I, sometimes it backfires. So well, true, true. But it's also, it's just unfortunate. I feel like that's a weird, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe those are just like tendencies to be like racist or have like a, you know, uh, like socioeconomic differences can make you feel like superior than someone or whatever. And like, so people are not always treated as uh, professionally and empathetically as they should be, you know, like um, that's, that's problematic, you know, that's for obvious reasons because we're medical professionals, like we should be professional at all times. And also like you should treat people with compassion, no matter what, circumstance you find them living in you know um but anyway i mean these are all things like hopefully that people stick around with the the work and learn this over a career you know because i think when you have like a long career in ems it is a very rewarding career you you did something for like the better good of your you know your human counterparts um for a long time and like you learn a lot about uh people and just I don't know. I think it's a great job to have. So I do hope we have these younger folks who stick with it and get better Mm -hmm. each year and like realize they don't know as much as they thought they knew, you know? That's true. I tell my students all the time, well, don't look down to a guy who lives on the street because some things can change quite rapidly for every one of us. Mm-hmm. And it could be you and it could be me in a few years. You don't know what's ha- what's what's going to happen to you. So yeah. even if you don't think that will happen to you, it can happen. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise you don't want to call the ambulance for some assholes who try to like to bully you. That's not the way I think EMS should work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we're we're not here to, you know, speak rudely to people and and like bully them you know you never know who you're gonna pick up you know there's some really smart homeless people that you would never understand or realize that they are who they are you know yeah so we had years ago we had some regular caller who in his former life was a like a a professor really yeah and he lost Mm. his wife he lost his job like this down spiral, this classic yeah. down spiral. Then yeah. he he fled himself to alcoholism and drugs, mm-hmm. and then he just landed on the street. So yeah. uh, all the time and every time I picked him up, I asked him about his job and I asked him some specific things as he was an economics teacher at the university yeah. mm-hmm. and I had my master's degree in economics. So we could like talk on the same level yeah. almost. Mm. so every time he he saw me he was like oh there comes this nice guy and and talks to me like a normal normal human being asks me things that i can answer it was like he was that happy to see see us and help help him out so that it was quite rewarding but there were colleagues of mine who weren't that nice to him so he always told if you are come i'm happy 
but if the other guys come, I'll try to to run away. Mm. Yeah, that's crummy. That's sometimes that's touching. I think, and that's the hardest yeah. part of the job. Not the trauma you see, not the not the no, not the CPR jobs. Yeah. It's the social and social socio economic state you see yeah. some people are living in, and they are still happy in some way. And that's mm -hmm. that's that's touching myself and and me and yeah. That get get that gets me on the end of the yeah. day. Yeah, because you're yeah, right. You, we could be there tomorrow, you know. So and if, if you just like this, these, yeah, 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 you find some interesting people, you know. And what that person, we have one guy, our one of our regulars, and everybody has to carry him, you know. Like they have to put him on the stretcher and everything. We can walk up, Mike. Hey, what's up? Da -da -da. Can you walk to the stretcher? Sure, get my bags. Okay. And he walks for us. Everybody else, I know that they have to put him on a stretcher, but he walks for us every time because we're nice to him. And Julie even has like a nice playlist for him. And, I know. He likes you know. music. So I ask him what he wants to hear. And I have a Spotify playlist that I have yeah. under his name. So whenever he's in our ambulance, I can play yeah. his music. But it's just, oh, you know, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, really nice. <laughs> and I like the songs too now, you know? Yeah. I listen to them so much that now I know them. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. I he's should keep it for myself. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. it's you know, it's yeah. nice. Because I mean, he's he's not living anywhere. He lives yeah. mostly he lives in, hospitals. in the hospitals, so mm -hmm. he doesn't have access to just simple things that make life pleasant, like music. Yeah. So yeah. when I can give yeah. him that that sort yeah. of like nicety, uh, I'm happy yeah. to. I love music. I listen to music every single yeah. day of my life. You know, I can't imagine if I didn't have access to music. You know, he said he's running for mayor too, and he's going to get us a 28% raise. I would. So him. you know, we gotta we gotta keep him happy. So when he gets in the spot, you know, yeah, maybe uh, someday <laughs> you'll see him as your major. Uh, I know. I hope so. Why not? Why not? Uh, he knows how hard we work. So yeah, wow. most lovely. people do it, but some people forget it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What do you do in, in your free time? What do ah. I do? My uh, my free time is uh, is this? Here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is my friend yeah. right here. So this is what I do, you know, or, or I'm doing my brush the bus stuff. So that's pretty much, you know. So. Yeah. I used to do volunteer fire department stuff, but um, I've taken a little sabbatical from that. So I had a little bit of a, I had a guy shoot himself while I was cutting him out of a car. So. I kind of not really yeah. into that right now. So I've taken a break. So, yeah. but um, yeah. So that's, that's all I really do now. So, yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like that's, that's, you know, our lives because of the 12 hour shifts, they're like work and then family or, you know, um, rush the bus stuff. But, yeah. you know, I have a seven year old. So, like, when I'm not at work, I have my son. So today he's with his dad for Father's Day. Um, I dropped him off earlier and then I, my friend is in town tonight. So luckily she and I will go maybe roller skating. <laughs> um, yeah, that's Julianne's new thing is roller skating. No. Nice. I, yeah. I, I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, I've already. I, I tried to, I tried to, I failed. <laughs> yeah. I, I hurt myself yeah. quite a few times last yeah. year. So uh, luckily I didn't break any bones, but I definitely tore a tendon or something. Yeah. <laughs> And what do you do? I know you play the guitar. Yeah, I'm like part-time musician. Okay. If I call it like I play guitar for 30 years now. More than oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 40, 30 years. And I was recently, it wasn't a band, but 
as COVID came up, we split up. And so I yeah. do music by my own. I play oh, electric guitar, I play bass, and I program the drums. And so I make oh, wow. my own songs. That's awesome. Cool. And um, yeah, that, that fills up my free time. When I got free time, I got yeah. two children and two very stupid cats, but I love them. <laughs> um, and How then, old are your course, kids? Um, uh, the smaller one is three years old. That's Johanna. And the older one is five years old. That's oh, wow. So they're little. Uh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're fun, fun though. This yeah. is like the fun age though. Yeah, so, really. Yeah, because she's four. She's four. My other one's nine. The nine-year-old. And she... they surprise me every day. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In yep. one or another way. Yeah. 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 Um, so fun. it's 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 a very very intense uh, intense time in my life, and I enjoy yeah. it most of the time. Yeah. Um, but you know, as you said, music is very important for me too. So I can't. Uh, like be without music yeah for several hours even if yeah. our in, even if our in our ambulance music is running all the time mm -hmm. so um it's quite important for me and the good thing is that my team partner listens to the same music as, as i do that's good so there's mm -hmm. never a fight about the music that's playing that's yeah quite good yeah yeah we don't have that there's certain units that like they'll fight they'll fight over anything like one of i heard a story the other night Somebody was listening to like his 80s, his like late 80s rap music, but he had it turned down and all the way to his side. But his partner still said he could hear it. And like, they got like in a huge fight over this. And <laughs> there's fight over like air conditioning. Like, I've never had that. <laughs> I've never like some of the stuff I've heard, like, Daddy, you know, you parked Daddy. in the sun and now the sun's beating on me. And it's just like, bro, come on. I know. Well, Peter and I, Peter plays music that I like and we can both enjoy. And sometimes I play music that he's like, what is this? And I, I just want to, I'll be like, just one song, you know, like whatever this is, like I want to hear one song. Um, but he's pretty good with that. He'll listen to my stuff. Mm. I mean, not for, the, like I listen to Christmas carols sort of on repeat all the month of November and December. Mm. <laughs> and I think he kind of mm. hates that after a while, but I feel bad. like it's, it's a necessity. I don't listen to it 10 months out of the year. I have mm. to hear it like 24-7 during the holidays it gets me excited you know for the, the holiday <laughs> so it's okay that's okay we do that too yeah. my partner does it she is like 26 and she likes <laughs> christmas carols too and yeah well i'm i'm not disturbed by it anyways yeah <laughs> sometimes it's a bit annoying i have to admit but as a, a real gentleman we overhear them so mm -hmm. yeah just yeah, listen just to your music. Whatever I'm you want to do. Shutting yeah. myself off and everything's yeah. going to be fine. Yep. Yep. No so. arguing about this. Yeah. So we've been going for like two hours. What would you yep. tell a new person or, you know, what, what advice would you give yourself as a new person coming on the ambulance? That's a good question. I would say be humble, be nice, be honest. And just try to learn and absorb everything good you see. And then yeah. you'll be fine. And then you'll be good, 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 very good paramedic at the end. So I guess if you just be yourself, uh, then the, the basic things are going to be good. Cool. Awesome. I think that is good advice. It is. 
Well, I like yeah. the. I, I like that's the thing I would do if I'm yeah. in a profession and I, I yeah. have to learn the ropes. So yeah, I would be humble, be nice because yeah. I'm I'm thinking if other people come along with me, I'll get along with them fine. Yeah, so, and it's easier too. You know what I mean? If you don't have to fight yeah. and argue with people, if you're just nice to people and they, you know. And I, I think ride. the be honest thing is is nice too because I feel yeah. like. Um, as adults, we're sometimes afraid to admit that we don't know something. And I think that's actually important to work on because you don't want to go into a patient's home uh, and they tell you they have this like type of cancer, let's say, and you've never heard of it. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I know. I know. Like, you know, you can say like, oh, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. And then someone tells you about it. And now you've learned something new and you're able to still care for this person but when you're yeah. always like, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I got that. Yeah, I got it. Or no, I know that. Yeah. Like it's, it's sort of like, mm, it's off-putting because people realize you don't know all that. And I think like when you actually ask questions, honestly, you learn a lot more. It's like, you know, people want to help educate you, you know? I think professionalism is very much about admitting that you're not knowing everything. Yeah. that you have to learn that's for me that's that's professionalism for me if yeah. you can say okay i'm learning every day some something new comes along and i will learn it that's professionalism not to know everything from the first day on yeah. i think you you'll as a person you develop and as a professional you deliver you have to develop too and development is not a thing that happens like random yeah you have to do your part to develop. And so that's my thing. I would tell every rookie, just listen to the older guys. They sometimes yeah. talk a bit of crap. Okay. <laughs> happens. But mm. most of the time, they give you some real, real good advice how to handle patients. And that's not about medical things, but on the human side of the story. Mm. Yeah. They will yeah. tell you how to handle difficult calls at the end of the day. Yeah. And they will show you how to how to get along with all those pictures you see. Yeah. Yeah. That is sound advice. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank Definitely. you for yeah. chatting with us. Thanks for chatting with us. And you stayed up like super late and stuff. I know. I'm sorry that it's still super late. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what? It was a pleasure for me, so I can stay up all night and talk to you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I would do that in person, but there's some water between us. You've been listening to the Rush the Bus podcast. Thanks for staying on for the whole time. And we hope that you subscribe. Like. Like us. Tell your friends. Go on Instagram. Yeah. Do all the things. Thanks. Bye. Rush the Bus, behind us, 44 Gates Avenue, 7650 Gates Avenue. 7-4.